Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, August 11th, 2023. Match day one of the Premier League season is today as you're listening. The NFL preseason has begun. Starts tonight as we're recording. And we're in the final third of the MLB regular season. And I could not be more excited. I am I am pumped for the rest of this year. Luke, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, and I'm I'm honestly in the same boat as you because once postseason MLB is like you know in uh, full swing, there will be NFL, there will be Premier League. It's going to be Champions League. It, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to oh, have yeah. so much to talk about. Yeah, and we've already got a lot to talk about today, and none of the seasons have started. Um, so we'll start off. I I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Barstool Sports and Penn Gaming ESPN situation. And then uh, we'll do, of course, our MLB recap, MLB weekend preview, and then we'll be doing our a- oh, voice crack. We'll be doing our AFC East preview, and then I will yes. be announcing my Premier League team that I will be rooting for for the rest of time. Um, and then we'll do our first of the year Premier League weekend preview, transfer news, stake your claim, and then we'll be out of here. Luke, you ready to hear about this uh, Barstool Sports news? let's do it i'm i'm very interested to see what's going on yeah so just for some background information in case people aren't aware barstool sports was fully acquired by Penn gaming uh, a sports betting company in february and has been invested since 2019 prior to Penn's acquisition of barstool the churning group had owned 51 percent of barstool since january of 2016 that was the last time that dave portnoy owned barstool himself um a little more background ESPN had a deal with I believe Caesar Sportsbook for all of their lines but were never part of the sportsbook themselves just for their gambling lines that they used on all of their programming so now Penn Gaming will be partnering with ESPN they'll be paying ESPN 1.5 billion dollars over 10 years ESPN will buy 31.8 million shares of Penn stock worth about 500 million what comes out of this is a new online sportsbook called ESPN Bet that's going to launch in the next couple of months. But ESPN Bet will replace, or, sorry, replace the Barstool Sportsbook. So what happened between Barstool and Penn? Not really anything you know, bad happened. It's just the opportunity to work with ESPN. ESPN and Barstool don't have the best relationship. So Penn agreed to sell the entire company Back to Dave Portnoy for one dollar, and wow. there is some like non-compete clauses, other deals within that, but it's in the ba- it's back in the hands of Dave Portnoy for the first time since 2016, and everybody that was paid off in this, I believe, like 500 plus million dollar acquisition, gets to keep all their money, nothing about it. So there's not really bad blood between Penn and Barstool. Um, The breakup, like I said, is partially due to the opportunity to partner with ESPN and due to kind of the, the eyes of regulated gambling did not like Penn's partnership with Barstool. There were a bunch of states that they had issues with because of things that happened in the past or the language they use like around gambling, things like, uh, I know like big cat, uh, they're, probably one of their biggest personalities had, you know, prior to the Barstool Sportsbook had a, a parlay 
often called the can't lose parlay. And that's the kind of language you can't use in sports betting because obviously it can lose and it does often. Uh, so regulators did not like that Barstool was affiliated. So that kind of hurt Penn, but never hurt the relationship between the two. And so when it came the opportunity to work with ESPN, they obviously jumped on it. I have a feeling Dave understood that. Um, so now for us as consumers of sports media, um, Barstool is free for, for creativity, for anything. They can't even sell without having to give 50% of the proceeds. So Dave Portnoy wants to hold on to it. And they're they're going to be able to use whatever terminology with gambling. They're going to be able to do really whatever they want because it's not going to hurt anybody but themselves. And then on the other end, we get this fantastic betting product out of ESPN and Penn Gaming and just another huge push in the direction of sports betting's legalization across all states with a household name like ESPN being so heavily vested in the betting world. Nice. Yeah, I know that was a lot, but to kind of put it in short, um, Barstool is back and, and unregulated, and ESPN has made this huge leap into the gambling scene outside of what they've already been doing and now having their own sports book online. Yeah, I think... Um... For me, not you know, not really big into like the whole like betting world and stuff. Th this is a this is a good time for it to start you know gaining interest. I feel like uh, for a lot of people you know that are like me, sports fans, but don't bet. Um, then the other side of it that I wanted to comment on was uh, glad that Barstool's free. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys that you want to be free. Um, they're supposed yeah. to be unregulated. They speak our kind of language, um, you know, they're not formal at all. Um, so there's no reason for them to, you know, even try to have any kind of regulation. I feel like so very good that they're free. So yeah, very happy it's, about that. it's fantastic. And I think it's just kind of a good sign for things to come on both ends. Um, you know, hopefully Georgia will legalize sports betting by uh, February when I'm allowed to sports bet. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll use the ESPN bet app for sure. Um, but we gotta see uh we gotta see a Stephen A. Smith parlay weekly. <laughs> That'd be very cool. I would I would ride with the Stephen A. Smith parlay all the time. Yes. Um, yes. but I think that's gonna do it for that. Let's hop into the MLB recap. Um we got quite a bit to talk about, but I think it's only fitting we start with Michael Lorenzen's no hitter. What? Oh, you didn't even see this. There's another one? Yeah, Michael Lorenzen. Uh, newly acquired Phillies pitcher threw a no-hitter last night. Nine innings pitched, no hits, four walks, five Ks, in 125 pitches. Wow. It's the 14th no-hitter in Phillies history, the 13th by an individual pitcher, and the first since Cole Hamels no-hit the Cubs in 2015. Um, on the other end, the Nationals, their streak of not being, or of, of yeah, their streak of not being no-hit dies after 3810 games. Wow. It's the first no-hitter against the Washington Nationals as a team. The last no-hitter was against the Expos technically. Luke, do you know who threw that last one? It was in 1999. Oh boy. Uh let's see. Pedro. Nope. Roger. Nope. It's no. one that you're um, very familiar with. Very familiar with. Yes. 
late nineties pitchers. You some would say it was better than a no hitter. Better than a no hitter. Is it David Cohn? Yeah, David Cohn's perfect game was the last time that go. the Nationals franchise, which was the Expos at the time, uh, had been no hit. Awesome. So yeah. it was a Yankee. Sure was. Uh, and now it's a Philly. But the longest no hit streak now belongs to the Los Angeles Angels at 3,760 games. And that's still a lot. Uh, I got tons more fun facts about this no hitter. Uh, four Keep pitchers. It rolling. Four pitchers, and actually four pitchers only, are the four players that have played in the major leagues after attending Fullerton Union High School in Fullerton, California, and now all four of them have thrown a no-hitter in the MLB. (laughs) What a stat. Yeah, Michael Lorenzen, Hall of Famer Walter Johnson, Mike Warren, and Steve Busby have all thrown no-hitters. Nice. Um, This is definitely the first no-hitter thrown in vans. Yeah, Michael Lorenzen wears Vans cleats. So that's that's, pretty cool. Yeah, that's certainly a record. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then going back to 2019, Michael Lorenzen actually started six games in center field for the Reds. um, And the last player to throw a no-hitter after starting that many games as a non-pitcher was Bob Lemon, who threw a no-hitter in 1948 after starting 12 games in center field in 1946. Dang. Okay. And then uh, last piece here, Michael Lorenzen. um, Actually, so he was an all-star this year with the Tigers. And when he got selected to the all-star game, admitted that he was very surprised he was um, because at the time he had a 4.28 ERA. Well, since saying that, in six starts, he's pitched 40.2 innings, a 1.11 ERA, a 0.762 whip, and, of course, this 124-pitch no-hitter. Wow. Yeah. Quite quite a turnaround for Michael Lorenzen after being an all-star. Yeah. (laughs) He's a better all-star. Yeah. Yeah, he's better than what he was before, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, But... I'm I'm very surprised you heard nothing about this. No, uh, I actually had a friend over last night, so that ah, could have been why. Okay. wasn't really on my phone much, but um, dang, another how uh how often do two get thrown in a season? Pretty often. There's what been there's been four this season. Oh wow! Yeah, because okay. there was the combined no hitter earlier this year. I think was that the Tigers that threw a combined no hitter. Um, and then. Domingo Herman's perfect game for Amber Valdez and now Michael Lorenzen. It it happens pretty often. Like there's been quite a few no hitter. I think over three hundred no hitters in the history of the MLB. Okay. So uh it was Detroit. Yeah. I combined no hitter. Yeah, it was um Matt Manning started the game. Alex uh is it Lang? Yeah, yeah. Lang came in and then uh, Jason Foley. Gotcha. Well, yep. Let's get into winners and losers. Um, I've, got, I've got quite a few. Uh, my first winner, though, <laughs> Wes Wilson of the Phillies. Uh, he was a rookie, made his debut after seven seasons in the minors, and he hit a home run in his first MLB at bat. Yeah, his dad's reaction was awesome, man. Yeah, that was fantastic. That one. So yeah. uh, shout out Wes Wilson. You got to be a real grinder. You got to really love the game to play in the 
the miners for seven seasons. I actually, can I follow this one up? Yeah. I know you said that we don't want to break this. I actually have one, uh, another one that I could say. Speaking of <clears throat> Philly fans, um, did you see the clip of uh, Trey Turner getting cheered on? Yeah. Uh, whenever he came up to bat, that was a big W for Philly fans. Yeah, that was great. I liked watching that. Man had billboards yeah. put up saying thank you. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just nice to see trying to get, you know, trying to get their star a lift up because he, you know, God knows he needs it, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about a loser. It's the White Sox, and actually for two reasons. Uh, first of all, they struck out the Yankees 17 times in one game and still lost 7-1. to one. Uh, They're now 0-11 and 11 when striking out at least 14 batters. The rest of the league this year is 125-50 and 50 when recording at least 14 strikeouts. <laughs> Baseball is just so weird, man. It is, and <laughs> this one has nothing to do with what they do on the field, but instead behind the scenes uh, because Kenyon Middleton came into the game for the Yankees. And if you don't remember, you should go watch the beginning of the uh, episode on Wednesday where we talked about why the White Sox now hate Kenyon Middleton, who just got traded to the Yankees from there. Uh, But he came into the game for the Yankees, and they didn't put his name up on the scoreboard after what he said earlier this week about the franchise. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not for, you know, talking trash, um, especially after you leave a team. But, like, I can imagine how the White Sox could be frustrating. I can. Ball, especially today. Yeah, I can I can understand kind of both sides of this. Look, Kenya Middleton wants people to know how bad it is to play there. Lance Lynn backed him up. Now we have reporters all over because now once once a player says something about it, the reporters are going to talk about it. And so we had reporters talking about it. Like they needed him to say something so that people actually realize how bad it is. Yes. So I, I, I understand it, but it's kind of a bitch move to not put his name up on the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, but my next winner, the Rockies, and, and they technically did nothing to get this. Um, but <laughs> they became the first team to draw three consecutive bases-loaded walks without a single strike being thrown. So essentially, three guys had to stand in the batter's box and just watch the ball go by them a total of 12 <laughs> times to be on the winner's Ow. list this week. Shout out, Rockies. <laughs> yeah, shout out the Rockies. Nice. Uh, my next loser, though, uh, umpire Laz Diaz. He was behind the plate Monday night yeah. for the Yankees-White Sox <laughs> oh, game. Uh, which ended 5-1, and uh, look, we don't even need to talk about Aaron Boone in this one. I just want to talk about Laz Diaz's scorecard uh, afterwards. So, uh, obviously, coming from umpire scorecards, his overall accuracy, it's not the worst I've seen. It's probably not the worst from this series, because Angel Hernandez umpired one of them. Or no, he umpired the uh, the Astros one the other day. But um, overall accuracy, 89%. The average would be 94% for the league. He called 147 of 166 taken pitches correctly. Uh, His relative accuracy, uh, negative 5.2% below expected. Um, the, the, The glaring number here is called strike accuracy. 17 of 50 called strikes were true balls. 66% called strike accuracy. That's not very good. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it, it's like 
a fireable offense as an umpire <laughs> to be that bad. Yeah. Laz Diaz has been around for a while, too. Yeah, he it? has. Yeah. And he's never been yep. that good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, Angel Hernandez gets all the shit at this point. Laz Diaz certainly isn't isn't one to, like, you know, get ignored. He needs he needs to be crucified as much as Angel Hernandez. Well, you kind of had, like, the, the two-headed dragon of Joe West and Angel Hernandez, so maybe we can have Angel Hernandez and Laz Diaz. Yeah, we could throw C.B. Buckner in there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, we can. Yeah, all th- they're, they're <laughs> the three-headed monster. Yes. But let's move on. My next winner, the Rogers twins. The identical twins putting up identical numbers. Taylor... <laughs> putting up a 2.52 ERA, 46 strikeouts, a 1.09 whip. Tyler putting up a 2.54 ERA, 45 strikeouts, and a 1.09 whip. Wow. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it almost couldn't be closer. Yeah. That's – twins are weird, man. (laughs) Yeah. But their pitching styles, wildly different. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, the next, uh, the next loser, the A's, unfortunately, they're the first team to guarantee themselves a losing season. Oh man. It's tough. Uh, it's tough, but the next winner, the Baltimore Orioles fans, they chanted free Kevin Brown in the seventh yes. inning of Tuesday's game. And earlier in the game, uh, a group of fans were chanting towards the press box. Where is Kevin? <laughs> so yeah, shout out the Orioles fans for defending their guy, and shout out everybody yeah. across the league for defending Kevin Brown because him getting suspended yes. was absolute bullshit. Dude, all the clips that I saw of other teams' broadcasters, like you know, talking about it, like yep. I saw one of uh, some of the Yankees were talking about it, and like all across the league. But I think um, I can't remember what team or what his name was, but the guy who said it best is he called out the Orioles, but he went on to mention like you know it's even more of a shame because they've had such a good season and they've been so electric for the first time in God knows how long they have all these young likable players. And then you go and do this. And and I know it's not anything that happens out on the field, but it's still something that will draw attention away from um, from what people need to be paying attention to, which is how awesome this team is. And I really like the way that he put it. I can't remember who that fucking was though. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name either. Uh, I did see a tweet from The Athletic. Um, obviously, I didn't read the article because I'm not paying to read The Athletic. But um, uh, the quote that they put in the tweet was that, um, you know, broadcasters do all of this work, but there's nothing there for them. You know, they're hired majority by the team, and there's no union nothing protects these guys at all. So they just have like themselves to, to get these jobs, to keep these jobs, to be treated fairly. They just have to hope that's what happens. And so it's a, it's an unfair way that announcers, you know, in general in the MLB are treated and and how their, um, and how their jobs are just kind of pulled out from under them. But, you know, some of them make sense. Some of them make mistakes that are kind of unforgivable. And yep. some of them do what their job entails and get suspended. So. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous. I, I feel like it's weirder in baseball because, like, 
Baseball, different than other sports, has this culture around, especially the broadcasting I've noticed, where like sometimes the game can be so slow or so meaningless that they don't even talk about baseball anymore. And I feel like uh, broadcasting in baseball, there's a lot of room to make mistakes in that sense because you're not really always having to talk about the game, especially in baseball. So I I can imagine baseball broadcasting being kind of hard. Yeah, it's got to be difficult, and I'm sure they they kind of love that the games are speeding up because imagine sitting in the booth for like three and a half hours when like there's probably, you know, it max like 25 minutes of like real action. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a tough job. Uh, So shout out all of the baseball announcers out there. Uh, But my next loser, Juan Soto. A stranger to this this side of the segment, uh, but for the first time in his career, he struck out four times in one game. Oh, yeah, and that kind of segs segues me into my next winner, which is Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners, uh, with striking out Juan Soto four times. He also put up seven innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, twelve strikeouts, and a hundred pitches. Yeah, it's a new career high in strikeouts for him. And his only hit was an infield single that could have been ruled an error. So maybe we'll get a stat correction. And maybe he'll get the no-hitter. But uh, for now, uh, it's a one-hitter. And um, it's actually the second performance in Mariners history of 10-plus strikeouts, zero walks, and one or fewer hits allowed. The other was Felix Hernandez's perfect game in 2012. Yeah, I was about to say it had to be King Felix. Yeah. Um so what what I'm looking at the like the box scores now. What day was that from? Cuz they played each other twice. Um I'm really not sure. Okay, it was the 8th cuz you said he struck out four times, right? Uh yeah, Soto struck out four so, times. Yeah, that was on August 8th. So yesterday, um as we're recording this, he actually didn't get a hit again, but he got an RBI. Okay. Soto did. Yeah. Well, interesting. He'll be all right. Yeah. He's, I mean, (laughs) he's so fucking good. It's ridiculous. Like the fact that he just struck out four times in a game, I feel like that happens so many times for players in one season. Yeah. And he's been in the league since 2019. Yeah. Dude, he's going to (laughs) have one of those stats when he's like 42 and just retired from being like a DH for the past four years that he's had like a trillion at bats and only been struck out like every single at bat in one game, like three times or something stupid like that. (laughs) Yeah. No, he, he's going to be like this generation's closest thing to like a Tony Gwynn. Yeah. Um, actually speaking or no. Okay. We'll get to Tony Gwynn. Uh, but the, the next loser is the Boston Red Sox promotional team. Uh, they had a Kike Hernandez World Baseball Classic bobblehead night the other day, even though he got traded to the Dodgers two weeks ago. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> so did it just sneak up on them like on the calendar? And they're like, oh, I, I guess like I'd assume it was like they probably sold like all the tickets because people wanted the bobblehead. And it was like, oh, well, he's not on the team, but. He is in a Puerto Rico jersey, so maybe we could get away with it. <laughs> uh, but my next winner, Miguel Cabrera, who has surpassed Tony Gwynn, the aforementioned man, um, 
on the all-time hits leaderboard and is now tied with Robin Yount at 3,142. Does that put him all-time? Uh, 19th. Only 19th? Yep. Wow. Huh. Feels like he should have more. Maybe. I don't know. Like, or there are just that many good baseball players. That there is, for there like is that years. many. And guys used to play until they were like 45. <laughs> really? So, like, it's a lot of, like, the old, old guys. Um, here, I'll pull up the all-time hits leaders. Uh, Looking at it now. Oh, Pete Rose. That's right. Yeah, Pete Rose, number one. Ty Cobb <laughs> played forever. Hank Aaron played forever. Stan Musial, Tris Speaker. Yeah. Derek Jeter, of course, played quite a while, but. Um, Honus Wagner, Carl Ustremski. Like, these are all old guys other than, like, Pujols and Jeter are, like, yeah. the main, like, recent ones. Everybody else is pretty old. And then, like, Beltre, who, honestly, Miguel could pass this year. Dang, that one's kind of weird. Robinson Cano's 80th on this list. That's not bad. No, it's not. Not, not bad at all. Huh. Interesting. Even Adrian Beltre, he has more yeah. hits than Miguel Cabrera at 16th. Yeah. Yeah, Adrian Beltre, very underrated player, I feel. But maybe it's just because I started watching baseball kind of towards the end of his career. But yeah. so, like, I never really heard about him. But, like, he never comes up in conversation. I feel like the joke that, like, kind of the joke and the goofiness of him honestly outweighs how good of a player he yeah, was. That's like, true. people can't take him seriously. Yeah, like, if you tried to touch his head, those videos yeah. were so funny. Him and Elvis Andrews were always <laughs> fucking around on the Rangers. Yes. <laughs> uh, but let's get, uh, I guess this is my last loser, but I got plenty of winners. <laughs> okay, um, I don't have a lot of MLB recap okay. this time. So you're good, man. So my last loser, and I'm not going to say who it is, but you, you'll you'll figure out the trend. Uh, the only teams since 2000 to finish below 500 with the outright MLB leader in F4 on their team. We'll start here. 2013, the Angels. Um, they were below 500. Mike Trout had a 10.2 war. Uh, 2016, the Angels, <laughs> below 500. Trout had an 8.6 war. The 2019 Angels, below 500. Trout had an 8.3 war. The 2021 Angels, 77 wins, obviously below 500. And Otani had an 8.0 war. And now, uh, this year, the Angels are 56 and 58. And Otani has a 7.9 war and is well, well in the lead for that. <laughs> That's the only teams in MOB uh, since 2000. And it's all the it's, Angels. It's incredible. And I, what really blew my mind is you said 2013, Mike Trout. Yeah. And I, I can't believe he's been playing for 10 years. That makes me feel like I'm 57, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but he should take him to court at this point. <laughs> yeah, honestly, for like malpractice in the workplace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Uh, you want me to keep going, or you wanna you wanna knock your? I actually, off? yeah, no, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Kyle Tucker is having a crazy good year, and he's really snuck up. Like now, he's like probably second in AL MVP. Obviously, he's not going to beat Shohei, but he's certainly having a great year, and especially on the road. This year on the road, he has hit a three home run or had a three home run game. He had a 20 plus game hitting streak on the road. And he hit a grand slam with his team down three in the ninth. 
on the road. Only one other player in MLB history has accomplished all three of those feats on the road in his entire career, and that's Babe Ruth. Wow. So that was in Babe Ruth's entire career. Kyle Tucker has done it this year. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. He also has um, seven RBI against the Orioles in two games. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle Tucker's killing it. Um, And after Tuesday's start, Max Scherzer has 15 strikeouts and a 2.77 ERA in his two starts for the Rangers. He's now the second pitcher in Rangers history of 15 strikeouts and an ERA below three in his first two appearances with the team. The other, a 42-year-old man named Nolan Ryan in 1989. Wow. Not surprising. Yeah, I, he's the name there. Right. Um, I actually wrote down um, for my MLB recap Scherzer's stats with the Rangers so far just because yeah. I thought it'd be good to you know check back in with one of the bigger trades. And he's, uh, yeah, only giving up 10 hits and four runs. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Just, it, it sucks that um, – ended up there <laughs> yeah i mean it better better than the mets but like that that rangers team is just so much more dangerous now oh yeah especially because they've got him for multiple years it's not just like a yes. rental will they be able to afford him maybe well like mm-hmm. technically the mets the mets sent money to pay for his contract <laughs> so really fucked up with that trade yeah we'll see or, yeah and they'll, they'll have DeGrom, too, when he's back. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, it but is. next thing, Josh Bell became the first player in, in uh, Marlins history to hit a home run for uh, from both sides of the plate in a single game. He homered as a left-handed batter in the fourth and a right-handed batter in the eighth. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Huh. Ellie De La Cruz hit his uh, first home run as a righty a couple days ago. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I'll never forget uh, G-Man Choi, who's not a switch hitter. I believe he did it for the Rays. Really? Yeah. Random first baseman? Yep. <laughs> That's been around forever. Yeah, he has. Um, next thing, Cody Bellinger, since July 1st, has been absolutely tearing it up. He is first in the MLB in average since that date at 423, first in hits with 55, fourth in home runs with 10, First in RBIs with 34, and second in OPS with a one or an 11.66 OPS. I mean that entire Cubs offense has felt Cody Bellinger since the All Star break. They they've looked you know competable <laughs> recently. Yeah, they actually look like a, a good team. Yes, it's crazy. Um, and then Edward or Edward Julien, I believe is how you say it, uh, ranks among all qualified MLB rookies are insane. He's second in average at 297. He's first in on-base percentage with a 387. He's fourth in slugging with a 510, first in OPS with a 897, first in weighted on-base average WOBA 385, uh 346 expected WOBA in fourth and he's first in WRC plus with a 150. And fun fact, he was drafted in the 18th round of his draft. Dang. And he's doing this well. Dang. I'm kind of just wanting to hear you say Woba a lot more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
I'll start bringing up the stat. I I genuinely don't I don't quite understand what it really means, but I know it's good. <laughs> if if you have a good one, you're a good player. Okay. But um yeah, I, I really don't get Woba. Uh nonetheless, yeah. let's let's move on to this one. This one's really cool actually. In his Guardians debut, Ramon Laureano drove in the only run in a one zero win. He's the first player to have the only RBI in a 1-0 win in his team debut since himself in his MLB debut with the A's in twenty nine or twenty eighteen. <laughs> huh. He's just like that's crazy. I don't know. That is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, last thing though. Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, Matt Olson, and Austin Riley have all played in each of the Braves' first 110 games. The last time an MLB team had four players play in every one of their team's first 110 games of a season was the 1944 Cincinnati Reds. Dang. Yeah. Wow. That that seems like one of those stats that shouldn't be that like old or like that long to break I know, it. Right? If that makes sense. It, it's it's pretty hard to have four players that are all very oh, yeah. good stay in the lineup and like not get hurt. Yeah, so that means like they weren't even benched or anything. They literally just played straight through. Yeah, every single one of them has played 110 games. Damn, and they've been that good too. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't really seem like they need the breaks, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you make me sick, Grayson. Y'all, y'all just have it so easy right now, and I, <laughs> it could not be more opposite for my team. <laughs> I can't. Oh uh, man, and I know. Don't get me wrong. I know the Braves have been bad, so you know what it's like. Yep. But damn. <laughs> All right, Luke. You want to go through anything? Um, yeah, the NL Central is, is like really, 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 really cool this year. Um, and I, I just kind of want to pose the question to you. So Cincinnati Reds are 60 and 57. They're actually in third place right now, two and a half games back. Chicago is also two and a half games back, but they're 59 and 56. Milwaukee is 62 and 54. They lead the division. Who's going to win it? Oh, see, I, I love. The, the thing I love about this division is that the Cubs are the only ones with a positive run differential. And it's 66 huh. runs that they're positive by. Ow. The Brewers are even at zero run differential. The Reds, a negative 28. Um, it's so tough. I, I feel like the Brewers have like the overall strength. To probably win this. Better pitching, for sure. Yeah, like better pitching. You know, Marcus Stroman has really sucked. Like his last like 10 starts have been brutal. Um, So it's hard for me to say the Cubs just because I, I've seen how they can struggle, but I've also seen how good they can be. Whereas the yep. Brewers have just kind of stayed on this same trajectory. They've been just good enough to keep going. And the Reds, they're cold right now. And I don't. I don't know if they're going to turn it around. I, I really don't. I, I feel like they fucked up at the trade deadline by not making a lot of acquisitions, and they're also losing a lot of games at home, which is concerning. So I, I think I'm going to go with the Brewers just just because of consistency. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I would I would love Grayson. Absolutely love to say the Cubs here, but I think that offense it's kind of one of those cases where they're just hot now. Um I don't think we're going to see them play the same way, you know, in a month from now kind of thing. Yeah. So Yeah. I I I mean, if the Cubs, though, if they can stay on this trajectory and maybe Marcus Stroman can kind of like get his form back, I might I might have to change my answer because their offense looks really good. But like you said, the Milwaukee, that's a little bit where more consistency is. And the Cubs offense, um, I said it is good. But how long will it be able to, you know, play like this? Yeah, for sure. I like that. What Um, else you got? uh, Did you see... um, did you see Tatis get robbed by Julio Rodriguez? Yeah, that was actually in that game that Logan Gilbert had that great uh, pitching performance. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, yeah. Well, I thought that was hilarious because uh, it didn't look like Julio caught the ball at all. And then yep. you just see this smirk across his face, and he just holds the ball up. I thought that was so badass. And it was actually the second time that Tatis had been robbed that week. Nice. Yeah, fun fact yep. about that uh, flyout um, was it had an expected batting average of 990. So that means, like, hang on. What Just, is, how so, can you expect the batting average? So the expected batting average is based on the park, the launch angle, and exit velocity. Oh, okay. And to what direction it was hit. Um, so to that point, with that launch angle and exit velocity, um, it had a 990 expected batting average. So it's, it's kind of crazy that that even like that he even pulled it back in like it should have yeah. been a home run okay yeah. wow that's pretty cool i that's a cool stat there um let's see i already talked about philly fans cheering on their boy trey turner um oh here we go reese mcguire's dumbass. look since the red Sox are better than us now apparently i i have to take my jabs when i can get them but <laughs> i'm thinking that connor wong hit that walk off was i mean just made my entire day watching him get doubled up and then the Red Sox ended up losing that game. It just was perfect. Um, Let's see. Uh, And that was actually it. The only other thing was uh, Boone's uh, impression of Laz Diaz. I thought was was very, very good too. Um, That was absolutely phenomenal. Um, But I, I have an Aaron Boone question and you and I have touched on it on the podcast before. What is the fine line in manager ejections between riling up your team and being right but going way too far i think there's a different line here okay there is one line which is defending your players trying to prove a point to the umpires and then the other side of the line is being selfish and embarrassing yourself and I think that's what Aaron Boone is getting towards. <laughs> I think he's just yeah. doing this for fun. And it's not helping his team whatsoever. We can tell by looking at the standings. Yeah. yeah. So is it that is he trying to defend his players or is he taking every single opportunity he gets to go out there and make a fool of himself? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, I just I don't, know. I, I don't know. He he gets excessive and, and I get it. There's there's the thing is you're never going to change the umpire's mind. So <laughs> yeah, you're just or the call. Yeah, like you're going out there to be like you were wrong and he's like, "Okay, we can't do anything about that." And that should be kind of the end of it. 
<laughs> you would think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I get I get going out there and trying to prove a point. But when you get to that point where Aaron Boone is is reaching, at that point it seems like you're doing this for yourself and not for your players. And your job as a manager is to manage your players, not make a fool of yourself and make it about you. And that's yeah, what's happening I mean, with this. Yeah, maybe that piece of gum earlier this season didn't deserve to be, you know, slung across the diamond at 85 miles an hour. I, yeah. I mean, maybe that could have been not done. But like, I, I get what you're saying. It's just it's weird to me as a non-baseball fan because when I think of a manager freaking out, I think of like, oh, this is like an act. Like he he's mad not only at whatever is happening, whatever he's you know gone out there for, but it's also like you know, hey, look look at me, players. Like look how much I care. Yeah. This should fire you up too, kind of thing. Between you know being a complete you know making an ass of yourself, kind of thing. So, yeah, I just want to know what you thought about. It. Yeah, I, I think he's just he he's towing the line right now. Yep. When do you think he will have crossed it? Um, the second he puts his hands on an umpire. You know, I'm kind of surprised he hadn't done that because he gets yeah. very animated and he definitely looks like he could. Oh yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> but we'll have to see. Um, and maybe we'll see it this weekend. Yankees versus yeah. Marlins this weekend. MLB weekend preview time. Um, I, I think it could be a very good series. Yankees-Marlins. Um, I think, uh, is there a goal versus San- or not, not goal, uh, Cole versus Sandy in this one? Uh, let me see. Not too sure. For some reason, I, I know think there is. There, there's no decided starter on Friday against Luzardo. Uh, let's see. Got no, nah, it's Nestor versus Sandy. Okay. So Nestor's coming back. Yeah. It'll be his uh his I think his comeback game. Um, yeah, that'll be Saturday. Really good series though you got um angels and astros the astros have had they have had a really tough schedule their yeah. their past couple games um they've they've been doing very very good they look fantastic unfortunately uh twins see Phillies. baltimore seattle they're playing now or no no they are not playing now baltimore seattle i think would be good which one did you say twins phillies twins phillies guardians rays Cubs Blue Jays. That one's good. Yep. Big yep. one for wild card. Uh Padres uh, Diamondbacks. That one's big for NL West standings. Got a got a big double header for you on Saturday. Yeah. I, I, I know that the Mets are bad, but it's still a good time every time, you know, Braves and Mets play each other. Yeah, it's fine. You know, we're just Saturday first game, it's Spencer Strider versus Jose Quintana, who is 0-3 this season. <laughs> it's whatever. In other words, Grayson says, good luck. <laughs> ah. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Ask him to throw it again, Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fucking dare oh, you. Oh, man. The only, the only game I'm afraid of is Kodai Sanga on Sunday. He is one of my favorite pitchers. Yeah, he's very fun I to watch. I love him. Yes, he is. Uh, Rangers-Giants. I don't know if you said that one. That's going to be good. Uh, no, I did not. It's going to be a good series. Did you pronounce uh, that last guy's name you just said? Kodai Sanga? 
by Singa. Okay. Yeah. He throws a fork ball, doesn't he? Uh, kind of. I think it's called a ghost changeup. Huh. Well, MLB The Show calls that pitch a forkball, and yeah, uh, I, I was playing the Mets yesterday, and I was getting lit up. I, I there was nothing I could do about that pitch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Wait, let me look up the actual name. It's Ghost Something. Uh, ghost. Ghost. Fork. Yeah, ghost fork. That's what they call it. What exactly is that pitch? It's a fork ball. He just has an interesting grip. Oh, so it, it it's a fork ball, but it's like a different variant of the fork ball, basically. Yeah. So it, it's pretty much a splitter. This is what uh Sports Illustrated says. Um it says the pitch is basically a splitter. He doesn't grip it as deeply in between his index and middle fingers the way that a traditional fork ball is thrown. Um, because when you would put it that deep, a lot of guys were getting injured because of it. And so um, it, it's it's filthy, but it's much it has much more drop than a splitter. So gave it a different name. Ghost fork. Nice. <laughs> uh, any other series this weekend? Oh, I think we kind of covered it. All right. Well, that means only one thing. Yes. It's time for Luke's favorite thing that we have done on this podcast, I believe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and it is NFL division previews. And we finish off the AFC this week with the AFC East preview. Luke, give me your standings. So, I it was hard not to put the Bills first. But I think out of the three teams that could win this division, the Bills I could see self-destructing the most. I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, like Josh Allen, Diggs kind of controversy still. There, there's something about that duo that I don't like despite the numbers that they're able to put up and how good they look on the field. But I went safe. I actually went Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Pats. Okay. Yeah, I went Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Pats. I, I think um, the Jets and Dolphins will be relatively mm -hmm. similar, but I don't know. I, I'm afraid of the injuries with Tua. That's the biggest thing. I would I would like to think that the Pats will probably have one of their worst seasons ever yeah. th this coming year, um, which is still – I still almost don't even want to say it because they have Bill Belichick there, and I know they're going to end up being like a right around 500 team anyway. It's how it always is. But – if the Pats, you know, don't have a good season, I think that it, it's going to be a super top-heavy division. Um, I think the Bills would have a really good record, and the Dolphins and Jets would both have, like, double-digit wins. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's So, when it comes to dark horses to win the division, I don't think there is one. Yeah, it was kind of hard to pick a dark horse. Yeah, I, I think Thanks. it's like the Bills or the Jets are winning this division. There's no question in my mind. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I don't know. Well, if you're talking like that, then I guess I do have a dark horse. Who is it? I, th I think it's the Dolphins, Grayson. I just, I don't know. I don't think they could be better than the Bills. Oh, let me lay down some stuff for you, okay? 
we already know right off the bat that a healthy Dolphins team is very scary. Obviously, Tua going down last season was really just – it sucked. And then they even lost Teddy Bridgewater. And Skylar Thompson almost beat the Bills in the wild card. I don't want anybody to forget about that game. Yes. I feel like a lot of people forget that that happened. But Skylar Thompson almost beat the Bills in the wild card. Um they could still sign Dalvin Cook. I know that that's kind of in the air a little bit. Um, they drafted the Cam Smith uh, uh, out of South Carolina, the cornerback who I really liked going into the draft. Um, wide receiver school, uh, core, I mean, it speaks for itself. Um, those are two guys that I think can only get better. I, I don't think we've seen the best of Tyreek Hill, who uh, I heard was cooking up the Falcons at a joint practice. He was just running yes. by all their secondary guys. And, of course, Jalen Waddell. This guy is still the limit. I mean, he's still a baby to the NFL, and he really, really can put up some numbers. Um, they added Vic Van uh, Vangio, Vic Vangio, Vangio, as their new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I feel like everywhere he's gone, except for as a head coach, his defenses are usually pretty good. Um, a lot of good personnel there, and, and like I said earlier, I really could see it going all wrong for the Bills. Um, Jets may not click right off the bat. You know, with all their new moving pieces, of course, their moving pieces are really, really good and they're very exciting. But, you know, it may not click all coming together all at one time. And the Patriots, just compared to these other three teams, just kind of suck, really. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think the Dolphins have a serious chance to win. I, I think it's between three teams instead of just the two, like okay. you said. Yeah, I don't know. There's, it's mainly the injury concerns for me with the Dolphins and then. You make this big move for Jalen Ramsey, and he's going to be out for probably the whole season. Are they saying the whole season now? I don't know. It's what he's getting like knee surgery, right? I heard it was like six to eight weeks. I, I didn't actually know what surgery he was getting though. Let's see. Uh, he's getting a full meniscus repair. Expected to be out until December. Uh, yeah, I mean that's basically the whole season. <laughs> yeah, just about. So that's going to be tough, but you still have Xavier Howard. So, yep, he's you know proven himself there. Yeah, for sure. So let's go ahead and talk MVP nominees. I I think there's a couple of good ones, and then some that you know could be there, but I think the obvious is Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, uh, and then I I'm going to throw in Diggs, Tyreek. Uh, yep. I even threw in Waddle. Um, I think he. I think if Tyreek goes down, Waddle could be like stupid, have stupid numbers. Um, yeah. Yep, Aaron Rodgers, like you said, and dude, I put Sauce Gardner on this list. I don't even care. I, I think he's that good at his position that he could seriously be an MVP. Yeah, uh, I think his teammate Quentin Williams could as well. Yes. Yeah. He 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 didn't make my MVPs, but he made my Defensive Player of the Years. Uh, two was a maybe. Yeah, two was a maybe. Brees Hall is a maybe if he comes back quickly. Yep. Um, what else? I don't think – I can't think of really anybody else for this. That's what I'm saying. Like, the other divisions, like, we had a ton of random options, like great yeah. wide receivers, great running back stuff. There's there's one one really good running back in this division, and it's Brees Hall, and he's not even healthy. Yeah, exactly. So, you think maybe a sneaky Gabe Davis – I don't know. I don't think Gabe Davis could ever be like the standout on that team. Like he's going to yeah. have big performances, but Stefan Diggs is always going to be the better wide receiver and a better target. Yep. And the bigger name. Yeah. So, yep. player of the year? Defense, they're loaded. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Sauce is on the number one. <laughs> yeah, my Quinn, number one, too. I think Quinton Williams as well, a top-tier yes. guy. Matthew yep. Judon. You have my first three on my list. Well, that's already. my first three as well. You're going down the line. Okay. Xavier uh, <laughs> Howard. No way, bro. Let's go. <laughs> All right, I might, um, I might call, I might, I might throw it off here. Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins. Not have Christian okay. Wilkins, but that's okay. a good shout. Um, Bradley Chubb, another guy I didn't have, and Matt Milano, another guy I didn't have, but I like Matt Milano yeah. a lot too. Um, guys that I had were Micah Hyde, uh, Tre'Davious White, Von yeah. Miller, and I put Jalen Ramsey on there. But of course, now knowing that he won't be, you know, able to play until December, um, no. Not anymore. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> oh, also, sneaky Christian Gonzalez. Oh. Interesting. Okay. like that. I um, like that. So I guess that's all the defensive guys. But, yeah, I think for me, obviously Sauce is like the easy pick, but I think Quentin Williams is about to have a huge year. Yeah. Um, I think Matthew Judon too. Um, he he's the kind of guy that can put up TJ Watt sack numbers. I, I seriously mean that. And that's you know I don't really compare um, many people to like the Steeler greats, but Matthew Judon it might be the most underrated player in the NFL. Agreed. And I think it's just because he's the last couple of years he's played on this pretty bad Patriots team. Yeah. And the focal point has been the struggle of the offense. Those red sleeves, man. Damn. Scary. Very scary. It is. But, like, for me, like, Quentin Williams, I see him, like, this year having, like, a, a Javon Hargrave-type season at defensive tackle. Ooh, like a, like a, like a um, new Vince Wilfork kind yeah. of season? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Williams, definitely, he's, he's one of those tackles that, you know, isn't just there to eat up blocks. Like, he's a playmaker. He's oh, a yeah. rare, rare breed. Oh, yeah. Love him. He Love is him. giant. He's the one that blessed himself. Isn't yes, he? yes, he sneezed I, he's, and he's blessed destined himself. For it. Yeah. He is destined. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm by the end of Hard Knocks. I'm gonna be so high on the Jets, dude. I need to watch it. You know, I've never seen Hard Knocks before. Me, okay, Only so me, clear. me, you, and Colin have actually never watched it. I watched the first episode oh, the other day okay. when it came out. Uh, it comes out Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Okay, is it, no. was, was it good? No, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Yeah, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And I 100% agree with Aaron Rodgers. Leave Schreiber is the voice of God. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, because so Leave Schreiber, um, obviously famous actor, but also has been the narrator of Hard Knocks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I do like that guy's voice a lot, I will say. It's great on Hard Knocks, let me tell you. Uh, but let's talk rookies. Uh, obviously, I have Christian Gonzalez here because I put him in the Defensive Player of the Year one. Um, of course. Who else do you have? I actually don't have any rookies Interesting. in this list. I, I looked at them, and I put all of them in my surprise players. I just don't think any of them can be Rookie of the Year. Okay. Yeah, I think Dalton Kincaid is going to quickly replace Dawson Knox. He definitely needs to get reps. Yeah. That's what I put. Like, I think that Dalton Kincaid is going to be good enough for the Bills to trade Dawson Knox and get a piece somewhere else. I love that take. Um, they're they're stupid if they let him sit, beh- uh, sit behind Dawson Knox for so long. Yeah. You know, it, two weeks max. 
before I think Dalton Kincaid should start getting reps. Yeah, for sure. Um, another one, sneaky, Marte Mapu. He's going to likely start like all season at linebacker for the Patriots. So I think that gives him a fantastic shot to be very good in this division. Okay. Like it. Uh, yeah, that's all my rookies. Not not a, a huge draft class for this entire division, just because they were all you know pretty good last year. Okay. Um, you want me to run through mine? Yeah. <clears throat> so my surprise players. I'm just starting that list now. I pretty much put all the rookies here. So like you said, Dalton Kincaid. Um, I think Osiris Torrance. We're gonna see a big difference in the Bills line because of him. Um, if he is good, which I think he will be. Uh, let's see. The Bills also drafted Dorian Williams out of Tulane. He was kind of a linebacker that flew under a lot of people's radars, yep. but I like him because he fills in behind Matt Milano, who's filling in for Tremaine Edmonds, who they just lost. So Dorian Williams, I think, will be a good pickup. And what with what we've seen from Bills linebackers is I feel like they're a team that likes to rotate their middle linebackers a lot, which is why we got to see so much of Matt Milano despite they them having Edmonds the entire time. So I think Williams could actually have a kind of a big impact here. Um, the Dolphins drafted Cam Smith. So not only, you know, with Jalen Ramsey being hurt, will he get more reps, but he still has Xavier Howard to help him out too, who's another very good veteran cornerback here. So I like the whole idea of, you know, mentoring the corners, kind of like with what the Steelers did with uh, Joey Porter Jr. and Patrick Peterson. I think Cam Smith could get super mentored by – Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard um, on the Pat side, obviously Christian Gonzalez is going to be an absolute dog. Um, he's going to play with Jonathan Jones and, you know, Belichick always has a good defense. Um, Keon white, the edge out of Georgia tech that we were pretty high on you and I both, I thought were pretty yeah. high on. Um, he's going to the Patriots. I don't think he'll be a starter week one, but I feel like he'll work his way in. Um, Jets drafted a center out of Wisconsin, Joe Tipperon. Yeah. Um, Probably will start all 17 games, and I feel like a rookie center going into, um, like I said, his first season, but with Aaron Rodgers, so it may not be the best partnership because on one hand you would think like, oh, center and quarterback, you know, they always have to be on the same page. Well, if you give a veteran quarterback a rookie center, then the, he can just mold him to however he wants him to be. So yeah. I think that'll work out super well with Aaron Rodgers. It's exactly what Aaron Rodgers did with Corey Lindsley, and he made him an all-pro. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to start mine. I thought you were done, but go ahead. I only had two more. So my actual other surprise players that aren't rookies, though, I only had two of them. Brees Hall, I think, is going to be sick. I, I Like, way more sick than what he was last year. I think he's going to take a big surprising step. And Ramondre Stevenson. That team, uh, the Patriots just lost Damian Harris, who was the guy, you know, on the depth chart above Ramondre. I think Ramondre is going to go off this season. I, he was sick last year with Damian Harris. I think he'll be even better without him. Yeah, I, I love that pick. Uh, my first guy, also a running back, James Cook. I think he's going to have a big role for the Bills this year. Yeah. They, they need to utilize the run. He's the guy that'll do it. And I, I think, you know, even if like he doesn't look fantastic, I think his numbers are certainly going to be much higher. Yeah, no, he was actually on my list too. I just forgot to read his. Yeah. Uh, also, Jabril Peppers for the Patriots. I I don't know if I just still like Jabril Peppers because of how versatile he was at Michigan, uh, but he's like pretty good. He was pretty good for the Browns, and he's gotten better, and I think 
this is the time for him to really like take that leap or just kind of stay as this like pretty good player. Yeah, like I said, I mean, Bill is good with the defensive players. Um, so Jabril, I, I feel like, could only get personally better uh, with the Patriots. And we want that ball, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> okay, but I, I just had to make sure that you, you know, that didn't come out of the blue for you. No, no, I know That's exactly my, what you're talking about. <laughs> my favorite Jabril Peppers quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mac Jones, for the wrong reasons, is the player to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we're either gonna see a, a good enough year out of him, or we're gonna see Bailey Zappi. Uh, and then the Jets' defensive line, just as a whole, it's so much. It, it's so deep. So the starters are John Franklin Myers, Al Woods, Quinnen Williams, and Carl Lawson. I think all of them had more than five sacks last year. Then the backups are Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, Jermaine Johnson, and rookie Mil- Will McDonald IV, and they're all very good as well. So they're going to have a very strong rotation on the defensive line, and I think it's going to be so good. But obviously, like, Quentin Williams is going to be the guy in there, and then everybody will just rotate around him and play off of him. I like that. Yeah. But, now they're going to have a great defensive line. Yeah, so let's go kind of overarching – how do we feel about this division this season? You know, is it going to be one to watch? <clears throat> yeah, no, I definitely think so. Because um, I, I feel like with the Jets acquiring uh, all the, you know, all the moves that they made, I feel like it'll threaten the Dolphins and the Bills a lot enough to where the games in between these teams will be there. Will be it'll be like a different um, edge to them than what has been in a long time. Yeah, division matchups are going to be huge. In this division. Yes, very, very huge. And I I feel like the defenses, you know, like with adding Jalen Ramsey, of course we won't be able to see him, but guys like that are going to come in and just piss people off. Yeah. So it's going to be a very, very fun, entertaining division to watch, I think. I'm super excited for this. Honestly, the whole AFC is going to be exciting. Yes. I think we've said, wow, this is going to be a really exciting division to watch for all four. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. And um, with the, and I guess the the AFC South kind of lacks, but there's still it does. There's a but lot there's storylines. There's a lot of storylines yes. there. Um, yes. But that means that we start the NFC next week. We start in the NFC West, and then we'll go NFC South, North, and then the NFC Beast to end it out. So, it. Luke, it's time mm-hmm. for the announcement. Uh, my Premier League team is Newcastle United. Oh, I, I did it. <laughs> I pulled the trigger. Yep. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm officially a magpie. Wow. Uh, you be watching I, a lot of uh, True Jordy videos now. Uh, I already do. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I love I love like the vibe of this team. Northeast England, um, a, a lot of Scottish history within their club as well. Uh, but I went through their entire history on their website and just jotted down uh, a bunch of pieces. So uh, I'm just gonna you know let everybody know the history of Newcastle as well as me. Uh, so club officially changed their name to Newcastle United from Newcastle East End on December 9th. 
It's the beginning of their history as Newcastle United. And in 1894, now that they had joined the second division of the Football League, Newcastle finally changed its colors from that of Newcastle East End. So they switched from red to their iconic black and white stripes, uh, which are still their jerseys today. In 1904-05, Newcastle won their first title in Division One of the Football League. Two years later, they did it again. Then in 1910, they won their first FA Cup. Uh, and then kind of fast forward quite a few years to 1932, Newcastle faced Arsenal in the FA Cup final. Newcastle won 2-1 in what became known as the over-the-line final. They were down 1-0 when winger Jimmy Richardson crossed the ball near the byline for Jack Allen to equalize. And it looked at the time like it was in, but after the game, photographic evidence later showed that the ball had gone out of play before Richardson's cross into the box. Oh, no. And so they scored that equalizer, and then they went on to win um, 2-1 for their first ever, or their second FA Cup. And then in 1934, just two years later, they were relegated to the second division for their first time in their history. Returned to the first division two years after football league play resumed following World War II. And then they entered a golden era in the 50s. They won three FA Cups. Um, But they soon hit a wall. No silverware for the Magpies for 14 years. They dropped into League Two in 1961. Then they came back up in 65, competed in Europe for the first time in 1968-69. This European competition was the Intercities Fairs Cup, the forerunner uh, to the, um, I believe, the UEFA Cup. Um, And then Newcastle probably shouldn't have qualified in the first place, but because it was the Intercities uh, Fairs Cup, only one team from each city could compete. So this disqualified Arsenal and Tottenham, as well as Everton, who were all ahead of them in the league. Um, so they still got to play, though coming in 10th place in the league. Oh, wow. They beat Feyenoord in round one. Uh, they won 2-1 on aggregate against Sporting Lisbon. They advanced against Real Zaragoza on away goals. They defeated Portuguese side Vitoria de Setubal 6-4. Then defeated Rangers in the semifinal. And they faced Hungarian team... Ujpest Dosa in the final, which I believe at the time Leeds United's manager said they were the best team they had ever faced, um, <laughs> which wow. is crazy. Uh, and the Magpies won it 6-2 on aggregate to claim their first trophy in years and their first European trophy ever. Um, then kind of fast forward a little bit after the legendary Malcolm McDonald's departure to Arsenal, they went back down to league two and it took until Kevin Keegan's second season with the club for them to come back up. Um, and then he would leave that summer. Um, and I believe stopped playing soccer entirely, but, uh, a young man named Paul Gascoigne offered real hope for the future. And of course, uh, as Newcastle's history would prove true. Uh, a few players, including Gaza himself, uh, they play well and they get snatched up by the elites. Uh, Waddle heads to Tottenham, Beardsley to Liverpool uh, two years after that. And then a year after him, Gascoigne leaves Waddle, or 
Jaskowin joins Waddle in Tottenham. Uh, of course, with all these guys leaving, they get relegated again. And then uh, it had been seven years since Kevin Keegan left that field um, to go live in Spain. But Sir John Hall, who was about to become the owner of the club, gave him a call to become the manager. At that time, they were almost bankrupt. They were facing rele- relegation out of the second division. But with King Kev's return to St. James Park, they narrowly avoided relegation in 91. And then in 92-93, they soared back to the first division with the help of a young man from Bristol City named Andy Cole. Uh, in the new Premier League, this was their first year in it, the second year of his existence, they asserted themselves quickly. A third-place finish. They continued to get better. Uh, great additions like David Ginola, Les Ferdinand, amongst many others became known as the entertainers. They were what people said were every soccer fan's second favorite team in England. Wow. Um, And they were smashing it, but they kept falling short of a league title. Then, for a world record fee, they signed local legend Alan Scherer from Blackburn Rovers for 15 million pounds. Around that same time, Kenny Dalglish took over as the manager after the departure of Kevin Keegan. Held them up in the top half pretty well, uh, but then tough finish. He gets sacked. Rude Hullett steps in to take over and promised, in quotes, sexy football. Uh, And it wasn't great. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They finished runner-up in the FA Cup to the treble-winning Man United team and 13th place in the Premier League that season and then started off bad and Hullett resigned after five games the next year. Uh, But he was replaced by local legend Bobby Robson, now Sir Bobby Robson, who managed the likes of Barcelona, Porto, uh, PSV, and the English national team. And he led Newcastle to a lot of big games to no avail. Uh, He ended up being sacked in August 2004 and now has a statue outside of St. James Park. And that's kind of the history uh, of my new club, Newcastle United. Wow. I enjoyed the history lesson. Yeah. I just think there's absolutely no way that Barcelona had a manager named Bobby Robson. Sure did. What? Yep. <laughs> I think oh, I think man. they won like uh a couple of titles in La Liga. With Bobby Robson. Yep. Wow. But now the future. Um we have new ownership coming off of uh, our first top four finish since Bobby Robson in 2002-2003. And the future is bright, and um, I'm ready to ride with the Magpies. Yeah, Sandro Tonale. Yes, sir. And we're going to end up talking about him here. Um, Luke, uh, before we get into this weekend preview for the Prem, how do you, what do you think about my decision? Um, I like it. I think it's the perfect time to um, hop on the Newcastle bandwagon. Um, I think it's it's a cool blend of fans because you're getting a lot of new fans since they've been, you know, pretty good recently. Yeah. And they have the new ownership, which gives them more at their disposal to bring cooler uh, players in like Tanale. But you also have like the classic fans that are going to be there to teach the new fans coming in and make sure that they fall in line correctly. All that good stuff. So I, I think it's a good it's a good team to like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, they got a big matchup week one, uh, but we'll get to it. 
<clears throat> it's the first Premier League weekend preview of the season. Match day one is tomorrow, oh. Friday. A standalone match, Burnley versus Man City. Um, not really a good matchup, but we got to talk about it because it's the first one of the year. Um, yep. I think it's going to be interesting. And by interesting, I mean Man City is going to beat the fucking brakes off of Burnley. I don't know, dude. I, I just found out today that Weghorst was on loan from Burnley, so City better watch out. No, he's gone now. <laughs> oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, he's on loan weird. somewhere else, uh, to Hoffenheim, I believe. Um, I think it's in the transfer news. Um, yes, but he is. Yeah, he is. he is on loan to Hoffenheim, so no out Weghorst. Oh. I guess that means Burnley are fucked now. Yep, they're fucked. J.J. Watt can't help unless he gets out there and plays. Vincent Company uh, can't help. <laughs> unless he gets out there and plays. Yep. Um. Yeah, look, Man City's no, going to the breaks off him. I, first game jitters, though, man. It, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a lot closer than what people think. Okay, I think it's going to be 2-0, Erling Haaland, Brace. Uh, 1-1 one, one draw. Okay. Interesting. One draw. Uh, the next one, my Magpies facing Aston Villa at St James Park. What's your What's your first thoughts? Uh, two teams that are coming off of very very good seasons are paired up against each other. That's That's kind of my thoughts. I, I think. Um, Newcastle and Villa both have a reason to come out very, very hungry. You know, it's it's not, you know, about celebrating last season anymore. It's about doing better or if not better than replicating at least what you did last season. So I would like to see a very hungry game between these two teams. Yeah, I think this one's going to be pretty close. Both teams kind of have some key inactives um, for Newcastle. Joseph Willock and Fabian Schar, doubtful uh, for Aston Villa. Jacob Ramsey, Emiliano Buendia and Alex Moreno likely out in this one. So missing some key guys, but yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough battle between these two. Yes. Um, I don't know. You got a, you got a score prediction or any like key players for this game in particular? Uh, key players. It all starts with Bruno Gimaraes in the midfield. He's going to be creating a lot of the playmaking. Uh, a lot of the chances are going to come straight from him. And um, yeah, I, I like... I like Newcastle's chances here. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't have predicted a draw on the other one because now I think this one could draw. I'm going to go 2 1 Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 1 0 Newcastle just because I want Nick Pope to win those Golden Gloves. <laughs> Dude, he might. He, he very well might. Um, yeah. All right, next one, your boys in blue, Chelsea versus Liverpool. I uh, believe this one's on Sunday. What a matchup. I I can't wait. Um, so this one, kind of like Newcastle versus Villa, Chelsea and Liverpool, I, I think, should be kind of disappointed in themselves as they as uh, how last season went. Definitely Chelsea. Um, but... I, I'm a little bit worried about something, Grayson. Do you want to you want to take a guess as to what that is? What I'm worried about? Uh, probably Chelsea. the injury to Christopher and Cuckoo. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know that actually wasn't what I was going to say, but I wanted to bring that up. So I that really sucks. <laughs> Apparently, he's going to be out for like four months. Yeah, it's saying early November. 
Yeah, they, they were saying it was one of those injuries that it happened and they were like, OK, like, I think we're good. He can't play, you know, week one. <laughs> Listen to the NFL guy over here that he can't play week one, but, you know, we'll be able to get him in. No, uh, it, you know, of course, after the scans and everything, they realized that it's a lot worse. And yeah, we're looking at like three months to four months. Yeah. So not good news at all, yeah. especially like new signing just got with the team. Yeah. You know, now he's hurt. It, it's just a. A bad thing for him personally, too. Yeah, and you also have Wesley Fofana, who's going to be out until, like, March. Yes. Um, but the actual thing that I was going to say, and don't get me wrong, man. I absolutely love this guy that we brought in, but it is starting to dawn on me that he will probably be... I, I just think that this player has a lot of pressure on him. And that's Nicholas Jackson. Okay. With how Chelsea played last season, and with how big of a team Chelsea is, that striker role, because we couldn't score anything last season, that striker role is going to be so important, and it is what everybody is going to be watching against Chelsea-Liverpool. If Chelsea get, if, if it's a nil-nil draw, or Chelsea lose without scoring, we're going to be in the ringer, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it, we are going to get killed on social media if we can't score against Liverpool. And, you know, that's kind of why I wanted a bigger striker to come to Chelsea, like a Volovic or an Ossiman, someone who can kind of deal with that sort of pressure better. Nicholas Jackson we've brought in, and he's been absolutely phenomenal in preseason, and I don't regret our decision at all. I just, I feel for him because... Out of anybody in the Chelsea lineup, I think all the pressure's on him. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, back. Sorry, that was a big tangent there, but I, you know, very passionate here. So, Chelsea, Liverpool, I don't know what to think because Liverpool also brought in some guys too that are going to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't so, know. I think this one, it, it just, it, it really depends on how good Chelsea's going to look out the gates. Are they going to be ready at the beginning of the season to get things going? Yeah, and I mean, I, I think with a uh, new coach and how preseason went, I think Chelsea will be ready. It's it's literally Grayson a matter of scoring goals. This game could we could win five four and I'd be happy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just is about scoring goals here because the defense I know is going to be good. I'm going to go two two. Okay, see Liverpool will draw. I'm going to go. 2-1 Liverpool, just for experience purposes. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair yeah, that's a fair prediction. Yeah, but other matchups in the this weekend, you've got Arsenal-Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth-West Ham, Brighton versus Luton Town, Everton-Fulham, Sheffield United versus Crystal Palace, uh, Brentford versus Spurs, and then Man United and Wolves on Monday. Uh, can't wait to see Luton Town, man. I'm, yeah. I'm actually very excited for them. Yeah. Actually, um, funny enough, you know how I was talking about the Newcastle history stuff? Um, yeah. I, I didn't even bring it up, but um, a long, long time ago. Um, so right before Kevin Keegan's start with the club at that point where I said that uh, the legendary Malcolm McDonald departed, uh, went to Arsenal, Newcastle actually got him from Luton Town. Oh, look at that. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, but 
We'll see what Luton has to offer this year. I have a feeling yeah. it's not much more than 20 points. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, and I, I've seen pictures of their stadium. I didn't realize how many people it could hold. How many? And, dude, it's only 10,000. Oh. <laughs> Bro, put the Champions League final at Ken- yep. Kenilworth? Yeah, I think you're right. Ken- Kenilworth. Yeah, Kenilworth Road, bro. Please, I, I want to see two of the biggest teams ever play. Messi needs to play there. <laughs> <laughs> I wow, can't wait bro. to see like the first. I, I have to watch the first match. Yes, that's played Everybody there. Does. It'll be Friday, September first, West Ham. Wow. So their Road. first game is away. Yeah, the first two. Uh, they're at okay. Brighton and then at Stamford Bridge. Oh, gotcha. So gotcha, gotcha. you'll get to see some Luton Town uh, Friday yep. the 25th. <laughs> Love it. But that's going to do it for the first Premier League weekend preview of the year. And transfer window is still open. So you know we couldn't skip the transfer news. Um, quite a few confirmed deals have come through. But before we start the transfer news... Uh, I got to talk about this because this was a a hot topic for us, especially talking about the Champions League last year. The San Siro will not be demolished. Hey! Yep. Uh, The Cultural Heritage Commission of Lombardy has forbidden the demolish because of its historical value to the city of Milan. Yeah, that that sounds exactly like what should have happened. It checks out (laughs) for sure. Yep. Um, and speaking of history, um, yeah, Saudi Arabia got another player, (laughs) (laughs) another former Milan player too. Correct. Frank Kessie, 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 um, that's a pretty good move. Uh, I'm not that surprised. No, I kind of am with him. Um, I, I seriously thought he was one of those center mids that was always going to fly under the radar, just going to be so consistent his entire career, but never talked about. And now we're we're moving closer to irrelevancy for this guy. Um, it, he was so good at AC Milan. Yeah, he was so good, and then moved to Barcelona. Never got played. Now his career's over. <laughs> yeah, it happens to a lot of people. It does. It does. Um, but. but uh, good I, move, though. Yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham have signed Wolfsburg's Mickey Vandeven. Um, it's a solid move. Pretty good player. Um, definitely not a needle mover, um, especially <laughs> considering the news we got today, which I don't think I even added to the prep sheet, so we'll go talk about it now. Uh, Bayern and Spurs, I believe, have agreed <clears throat> to $100 million. Yes. So... Uh, is Harry Kane out? It, it, my knowledge and what I texted you pre-recording is that it, it's all up to him. Um, he's a player who I think I think it's safe to say he doesn't want to leave Tottenham, but want and need are different things, Grayson. True. <laughs> and if you want to be that guy, Tottenham is probably not the team you want to play for. No. And I hate to say that because, you know, I, I'm all for, you know, boyhood players growing up and never leaving. I think that's so sick. It, it's kind of why Mason Mount hurt to leave, you know, Chelsea. But I, I, I'm sorry to say it, but there are certain players that get too big. And if your team isn't big enough for him, then I, I think that there definitely needs to be, you know, decisions. Yeah. 
And I hate to say that, but it's just the reality. Yeah, and I think him leaving would be the right decision. I, I'm not saying that him staying would be wrong, per se, but I think him yeah. leaving is the better decision, I guess. Hey, you couldn't have said it better. I yeah. agree with you. Uh, next move, though, Yunus Musa has joined AC Milan, so they had to pick up another American to go with Christian Pulisic. They like him over there. They Sergio Dest as well yeah. was over there for a little bit. True, true. Uh, Robert Sanchez has officially joined Chelsea. Yes. Um, I think just someone to keep the competition with Kepa. Um, Kepa is the starter. So Correct, for sure. Yep. Uh, Frankfurt's Randall Kolomuani is close to a deal to join PSG. Um, that's a honestly, it's a good move for him. Solid defender. Yeah. Um, super, super solid defender. And, you know, as much as we shit on PSG, it, it's still, you know, Frankfurt to PSG, that's a big move for a young guy. So that's a good move for him to get that exposure, um, play against better people. And, um, yeah, the Kolomuani, he, he's been, He's been under my eyes for a while. He's a very, very solid young defender. Definitely. And the man that I finally decided to learn how you pronounce his name <laughs> now that he's officially in the Premier League. Lay it on us. Rasmus Hoylun. Yeah. So yeah. a lot easier. Yeah, very easy. It's yeah. You don't pronounce the D and the J turns to a Y. There you go. Rasmus Hoylun has officially joined Manchester United. Good pickup for them. Yep. Um, just kind of, I guess, someone to replace kind of the weg horse, you yeah. know, leaving. Um, and someone who I don't think, like, <laughs> weg horse was a good player for Manchester United, but I feel like anybody would have been an upgrade. It's weird to say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Uh, I did see um, a funny comment on the post of him being announced. Uh, it said he, um, him and... Um, why am I blanking on the man? Oh, Eric Ten Hag are the off-brand Erling Holland <laughs> and Pep Guardiola. <laughs> this rivalry, man. Someone needs to stop City Grayson. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm about to I'm yeah. about to leave the league, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I was reading about them today, and I totally forgot to talk about this in our Burnley City. But they they could be the first team to win it four in a row. Yeah. There have been six other teams to win three in a row. And if I'm being honest, Grayson, I don't see anybody that can stop them I if don't they're either. good enough. I don't either, dude. It's scary. <laughs> it's literally going to be up to them if they win the league or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, let's go to this. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos confirmed at PSG. So once again, props to Luke. Called this one about five months in advance. I wouldn't say once again. You you definitely do it a lot more than I do. But hey, I had to I had to join you on at least some things. Right? I was more. I was saying once again, congratulating you because I think I congratulated you when it was rumored to happen. Oh yes, uh, but no, you did do that. But yes, I, I do have some good calls. I couldn't have called this next one though. Edson Alvarez <laughs> is headed to West Ham. Ah, uh, how that's a weird. really really good move. It, it for West Ham. That's a fantastic pickup. But yes. when he was getting interest from Chelsea, I was like, okay, like maybe he's getting interest from like the big teams. West Ham forking up some money, replacing Declan Rice, I guess. I was just about to say, like, Declan Rice, don't get me wrong, world-class player for West Ham. If you're going to replace him, this would have been one of probably the five guys in the entire world I would have wanted. Yeah, young, 
Very good player. Fantastic, just up and down the field. So yes, a workhorse. Fantastic move. Yeah, I I love this move. Just I mean, of course, sad it's to West Ham, but yeah, what a player they just got. Yep, and then uh, David Raya, the goalkeeper, is on his way to Arsenal. And funny enough, people were kind of confused by this. They were like, man, like this is some crazy depth for Arsenal. And then like five minutes later, we found out that Matt Turner is leaving Arsenal to go to Nottingham Forest. <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, Matt Turner gets to play with uh, Kaylor Navas, right? Yeah, I believe Kaylor is still there. That's good mentoring there because I Matt Turner's still young enough to be like a mentored goalie, right? Yeah. Or wait, did he go? Never mind. Wait, is he still on Nottingham Forest or is he returning to PSG? Um, let me let me look it up. Matt Turner's twenty nine, by the way. Yeah, it's a lot older than I thought he was. Um. Oh, so right yeah. now, Kaylor is returning. Yeah, Kaylor is yep. returning to PSG. Um, it was just a loan till the end of the season at the winter transfer window. But that means Matt Turner gets a start, most likely. Yeah, I you know I was just about to say like um, Kaylor is like one of my childhood favorite goalies. Um, but Matt Turner definitely, I I think Matt Turner kind of deserves it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sure. Um. Little American biased, I think, but For Matt sure. Turner really, truly has been brilliant. So yeah, he has like it. Uh, Chelsea have signed 18-year-old Santos forward David Washington. Um, once again, fantastic young pickup. Yes, um, I, you know, like I've said on this podcast a billion times, I feel like I thought this transfer window was going to be a lot of big names for Chelsea. It hasn't been, but I've still really enjoyed it. I, I think Chelsea have done a very good job, even with these young kind of no-name teenagers. I yeah. love it. Yeah, they're doing fantastic moves. And here's another one that's pretty good. Tyler Adams heading to Chelsea. Yes. Very, very excited. Once again, American Super bias because he was not yes. very good last year. But no. we know he can be good. He was good in the World Cup for the U.S. Yes, super, super good. Yeah. Um, well-spoken captain for the U.S. For the sure, Cup. for sure. A very well-spoken uh, player. But the next thing is a little more important. Chelsea are advancing towards a deal for Moises Caicedo, and Romeo Lavia is still on the table. So I, I saw this uh, thing on my Instagram feed that was kind of funny. There, um, the second guy you said was a Liverpool target, and the first guy was Chelsea's target, Sassiedo. Yeah. But they have somehow, I want to say, swapped. So I think Chelsea have a bit accepted for um, the second guy you said, and it looks like Liverpool might sign um, Sassiedo. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. But um, that was just the rumor that I've heard. It still could end up, you know, maybe Chelsea gets both of them or maybe, you know, it happens the opposite way. But, um, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll have to see how that one plays out. Um, and then Jan Sommer is signing with Inter Milan on a fee of only 6 million euros. That's kind of unfair. Um, yeah, that's so cheap. Jan, Jan Sommer was electric for Bayern Munich last season I yeah <laughs> especially like considering that it looks like Manuel Neuer might retire because of the uh the lasting effects of this injury he's coming off of 
Well, we're actually, you know, down the list. Um, we'll talk about Bayern rumored yes. with a goalie dear to me. Um, yes. What I'm kind of confused is I can't think of his name, but I love him. Uh, Handanovic. What's going to happen with him? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about Samir Handanovic. I thought yeah, he was because... long gone. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I thought he was still their guy. He might uh, be. Inter Milan. I don't Still know. plays for him. Yeah, you could always have depth. That's for sure. That, that is true. Um, but this next thing is interesting. Uh, and I think it's advanced quite a bit uh, since I put this note here. But per uh, ULL Esporte, which I think is a Brazilian uh, publication, Neymar is 100% leaving PSG and they may terminate his contract early so he can leave. Oh, Lord. The- PSG, man. <laughs> so much content yeah. over there. <laughs> yeah. The way it looks right now is that Neymar doesn't want to be there, and they don't want Neymar. See, and I, I've actually, like, even a week ago, have heard completely opposite things to what yep. you just said. Yeah. It, it's so strange. I got to say, when it comes to soccer, conflicting reports are insane. Like, like yes. in the NFL and in the MLB, like all of the American leagues, there's only a couple of guys that are out here reporting on stuff, really. Like a handful of guys that you know give out like some pretty good tips. In soccer, it just seems like anybody could say anything and people are going to run with it. Yeah, like you could have Neymar's dad come out and say tomorrow, no, he like he loves Paris. Yeah. <laughs> and then like everybody's just going to run with that. Yeah, but then, like, the next day he's going to get his contract terminated. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, but Neymar's an interesting one, not only because we've heard so many different things, but, like, you know, I, I've heard Chelsea's been in the mix. Like, wh- where do you think, if not PSG, where would Neymar fit in well for you? Dude, I have no idea. Honestly. Like, Do you think the Nankuku injury gives Chelsea maybe a little bit of kind of like a bump? Yeah, but also, like, I guess he could play Cam for y'all. But, you know, when I think of Neymar, I think of him still as a left wing, and there's not much space on the left wing anymore. Yeah. Because you have Sterling and Mudrick. Um, But if Neymar wants to play attacking midfield, Chelsea would be the place to go. Really? I think. Okay. Especially with Nkuku out. Obviously, I like that take. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard rumors that um, the Barcelona, I think he's like the director of whatever, um, is trying to convince Xavi that they should get Neymar. I saw that too, and Xavi was saying that he didn't think Neymar was a fit. Yeah. Or something like that, which is interesting because they were teammates. <laughs> it is very interesting. Um, but it, it appears that the main reason Barcelona's, you know, ownership and, and their front office type want him is the more the name than the player. Yeah. And that's not what Xavi is is worried about. And yeah. right rightfully no, really. so. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Uh but next thing, uh, same guys, the same team that we were just <laughs> talking about, Andres Iniesta. Uh weirdly made the move to Emirates Club in the UAE. So once again, when everybody's fleeing somewhere, he just goes to the wrong country. (laughs) 
He did it. Everybody was going to China, and he was like, I'm going to go to Japan. Now, everybody's going to Saudi Arabia. He's like, I'm going to go to the UAE. Yeah. You know, that's actually, that's a cool connection you made because I didn't even, same continent, just the wrong country. (laughs) Exactly. It's so funny. (laughs) Needs a new translator, man. (laughs) He's like, oh, everybody's going to the Middle East. Okay, me too. Yeah. (laughs) Where do I sign up? (laughs) I'm sure they're giving him like a trillion dollars, so. He'll be okay. Andres, you sign name here, Ferrari. (laughs) Oh, dude, they're giving a Ferrari. Shit. That was a horrible impression, and I'd like to say that that was not (laughs) ill-willed whatsoever. Because I want to keep it in. I want people to hear that. But I I need to know, I need everybody to know that that impression was purely for comedic reasons. Not, no ill-will behind it. No Uh, ill-will at all. (laughs) But our (laughs) our next move. Benjamin Pavard, interestingly enough, it's typically the other way around. Benjamin Pavard is interested in a move to Man United. Uh, apparently, Man United have been watching him for the whole transfer window, and now it looks like Pavard wants to go. Interesting. Yeah. He, look, he's um, a great player. Who even. I'm blanking on like Manchester United right backs. Uh, Aaron Juan Basaka. That's right. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think Benjamin Pavard probably could offer a better option oh, at right yeah. back than Bissaka, maybe? Definitely. Think? I, I, I think, think the, the idea of Juan Bissaka was very good, you know, like an athletic, exactly. offense, defense kind of guy, but he just never, I don't know, never really came to be. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, he was so hyped. And then, yes. like, the second he was there, it was like, oh, this is... This is not good. He's <laughs> yeah. just fast. Yeah, fast and big. Yeah, that's really all he offers, and it it hasn't really paid off much. Uh, but yeah, our Pavard, next move, Pavard did that small thing. You know, he won oh a World God. Cup in France, and that fucking goal, Jesus! Only because of the camera angle, that goal is not as. Special it's a as good goal, though. It <laughs> it's a good goal. Oh, it's a fantastic goal. Uh, okay. And I, I take back what I said about it not being special, but that camera angle, that that was why it was Puskas. <laughs> yes. That's okay. I agree with that. Still. Yeah. Fantastic goal. Yes. Uh, our next move, though, Ross Barkley joining Luton Town on a free transfer. When I sent this to you, I, I just like laughed. Like, I genuinely yeah. laughed out loud when I saw him wearing the shirt. I think I thumbs down your text. <laughs> did (laughs) (laughs) it's such a boring move he's a boring player going to a bad team it's like come on man speaking of come on man the braves are just trying to lose to the pirates (laughs) Um, are they gonna make come on man maybe maybe i'm just gonna start doing that steal that from randy moss (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favorite series man it is funny love very funny um Interesting words to use, but very funny segment. Um, Fulham are close. To, <laughs> I was waiting for you to get that. Fulham are close to a deal with Chelsea for Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, I personally, as a Chelsea fan, I hate to see him go to the rivals Fulham, but um, Hudson Odoi it would never have gotten playing time here. Uh, but I liked him whenever he was uh, with uh, Leverkusen. 
he he had yeah. a really good loan there, and I kind of wish he had left the Premier League again. But you know, I think maybe Fulham will take care of him. I I don't know. I mean, he's got Willian to compete with. True, but you know yeah. what? Now he, he's twenty two years old now. Like, if you guys just kept him and you just kept sitting him, it's just kind of a waste of his career. Yeah. So it's it's time for him to start playing. I think so. Yeah. Uh, West Ham have reached a verbal agreement with Harry Maguire. On into, um, oh, and Manchester United agreed to 30 million pounds. So looks like Harry Maguire to, to West Ham is happening. Yeah, not a bad move. I, I know he's kind of a meme, which he should be a meme, but he's really not that bad. Yeah, and I've also heard of so, Scott McTominay being rumored to go to West Ham as well. Ow. They, they sell Declan and win the Conference League, and now they're just rolling in it. <laughs> yeah, dude. They got quite a bit of money. <laughs> they do. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, Hoffenheim have signed Walt Weghorst, uh, on a season long loan from Burnley. Like we talked about earlier. Uh, this one's big though. Manchester city made a bid for West Ham's Lucas Paqueta and it appears it was rejected and West Ham wants 85 million. Damn. That's a lot. Like Lucas Paqueta was very good last year for West Ham and has been in prior years. 85 seems like a lot. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's they're kind of going off of how much they got for Declan, which I know Declan and Paqueta are on different wavelengths of, you know, player and how good they are. But, like, I don't know. Maybe West, Ham, West Ham's a little bit, like, money hungry now. Yeah. I mean, I think West Ham is – actually, this is kind of smart. I feel like West Ham is playing towards – um the Premier League teams that are obviously bigger than them in the sense where they know that there will be some teams that regardless of how good the player is, they'll still overpay for them. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's kind of smart there. Yeah, I, I agree. And speaking of, West Ham are going to pay £30 million for James Ward-Prowse, the free kick man himself. <laughs> I still think back to that conversation that we had, like what, what <laughs> else does he do? Does he only get subbed on to take these or like what? <laughs> yeah. What happens? But, yeah. Um, I'd like to believe that I've never seen James Ward Prowse <laughs> on a field except behind the ball on a free kick. <laughs> exactly. But, oh, man. Uh, next move, Lewis Hall will join Crystal Palace on a season long loan from Chelsea. Yep. Um, a, a player that I know has been in the ranks for a little while. Um, it, it's a good to loan him because he's one of those that would never see the field if he wasn't, you know, loaned. So, yeah. Um, and then the last move I've got here, Bayern wants Keppa from Chelsea. Stay away. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have him. <laughs> no, hey, man, I, um, somebody's got to replace Manuel Neuer. It's just the story, man. Like, we brought Keppa in, very expensive. He didn't work out right off the bat. Um, told Maurizio sorry that he didn't want to get subbed off. Then gets taken over, loses his job to Mindy, but he still, like, stayed at it and kept strong. And that, to me, completely makes Keppa for me. I, I love Keppa. He he could have left easily. Could have turned his whole back on the team. Yeah. I mean, he was the laughingstock for a while. And... Stayed with it. Mindy left, or actually Mindy got hurt last year, and Keppa has really made a name for himself. He actually has proven to be a good investment. So I, I like to keep Keppa just because of the story. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right. It's time for this part where I go to Twitter and I see what I've missed. And it, 12 minutes ago, uh, this source is Christian Falk, 
who covers Bayern Munich full-time, um, says that Bayern are currently in discussions with Harry Kane. Looks like his brother and father uh, are resolving the issues around agent fees so that the move can take place this weekend. And wow. Bayern are confident that the move will happen. Wow. <laughs> Huge. It's big. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we can wait until he gets, um, you know, actually announced to start making predictions or anything. But, like, is, is Ballon d'Or in the question? Oh, yeah. If they do well in the Champions League um, and he does well in league play, uh, I think it's certainly in, in question. And I like that because that that's something that, you know, you don't really hear a lot. Like, yeah, Harry Kane's one of the best strikers in the world, but you'll never say Ballon d'Or in the same sentence as Harry Kane. I feel like now that kind of changes. I'm with you. Yeah. Look, with- if he does what he did at, at, at Tottenham, which is score 30 goals like every year, um, if he scores 30 goals in Bundesliga and scores, you know, a handful in the Champions League and they make it to even just the semifinals, I think he's certainly up there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, but this one's interesting, and I'm not too happy about it. This came oh, out God. one hour ago. Um, this is just kind of a reminder this had already happened, but Saudi Arabian clubs, their transfer window doesn't close till September 20th. While most European clubs will have until August 31st or September 1st for their transfer window to close. Wow. So they're going to have an extra 20 days to just with no competition. Take our favorite players. Yeah, take European players. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, So do they they have a... Longer transfer window than anybody else? Yeah, it appears so. That's very tactically smart of them to do that. It is. With with all the money and the resources that they have, that's very smart. Yeah, it's genius, honestly. It just kind of pisses (laughs) me off that they do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Looks like Napoli and Victor Osimhen are closing in on an agreement over a contract extension. Honestly, like, you know, would have liked to have seen him end up in Chelsea, but he he's fine over there. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? What else? Uh, Fenerbahce will sign Manchester United midfielder Fred. Oh, okay. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, let's see. I guess that kind of opens up more room um, for the discussion that we were talking about with uh, Mason Mount. You know, like, where would he play? Yeah. It's another center mid he doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, that helps. Uh, Lewis Hall, who we talked about, is going on loan to Crystal Palace, just signed a six-year deal at Chelsea. Oh, wow. Um, Manchester United rejected a £30 million offer from Brighton for goalkeeper. Or no, not goalkeeper, just Cole Palmer. <laughs> Not a goalkeeper. <laughs> um, that one's interesting. I feel like thirty million. Maybe just because he's young, they want more. Yeah, possibly. But Cole Palmer is definitely an exciting player. Yes. Um. Let's see. Let's see. That's weird. Two hours ago, an unnamed club 
has appeared at short notice and offered Harry Kane a better contract offer than Bayern Munich if he well, wants to stay with Tottenham and become a free agent next summer. Really? And the three clubs that are reportedly candidates to be this unnamed club are PSG, of course, Manchester United, who was interested at the beginning, and Chelsea. Oh, oh, dude! Harry Kane to Chelsea would be a riot, dude. Oh my god! <laughs> that would cause flames in the streets. There'd be so many stabbings. <laughs> would. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, that's that would be insane. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, this is interesting. Real Madrid are supposedly trying to get Randall Kolomuani out from under PSG. <laughs> I kind of hope that happens. Me too. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> wow. That's an interesting one. Um, let's see. Let's see. PSG have informed Kylian Mbappe that if he doesn't change his mind and leaves for free in 2024, the club will need to sell players, review the integration policy for academy players trained at the club, very likely initiate a wave of sackings of club staff, and the French club warned Mbappe that he should... Or wait. Of the... Okay, they warned him of the heavy economic consequences to the club should he leave for nothing. Why? Why would the economic problems be... I think they're just trying to guilt him. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's okay. Like Mbappe, has gained my respect after the World Cup final. He is just as much of a prick as PSG in this situation. Yeah, no, he is. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, and it is. It's actually. It, it's really starting to piss me off, Grayson, because I I think Mbappe. He's only hurting himself at this point. The sooner he leaves, the sooner that his legacy can go on to continue. But instead, you know, he's kind of dragging it out, and I, I feel like his, his focus is not where it needs to be right now. Agreed. But I think, you know, at the same point, it's like Mbappe kind of gets to do whatever he wants. That is true, but I, I think he should just be more focused on, like, you know, when he, cause the season's coming up and we still don't really know what he's going to do. Yeah. So that That's I the think, biggest problem. But I think at this point, like the, my biggest question with this whole situation is why is PSG kind of invested so much into Mbappe that now they're having to like actually like do things to get their money back. Like, yeah, yes. That, they, they spent a lot of money on him to come from Monaco. That was like five years ago, though. Yeah. Like, at this point, you should have recouped all of that money. You think it's also some some bit of, like, contract extension with him, too? Because didn't he sign, it, like, one extension that was, like, mega dollars with PSG? I'm sure it was, but when you did that, why did you also decide to get Messi and get Neymar and know that that's going to cost you a lot of fucking money. Yeah, that is true. Like that, that's just bad financial decisions on their part. It, none of <laughs> none of this is really Mbappe's fault. Except for the, you know, how long it's taking to happen. 
I, I well, yeah, like- yeah, of course. But also that's because of PSG, like essentially trying to make sure that he doesn't go to Real Madrid and that, but also they don't want him to leave on a free next year. Like it's such a weird situation they've caused. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Real Madrid are set to sign David de Gea on a free transfer. Yeah, um, going back to his boyhood club. I actually read that yesterday. Yeah, and it also it I looks like it Thibaut brilliant. Courtois is out for a couple of months, so that would line up well. Yeah, that'll. Um, I, I'm actually excited to see that David de Gea back for Real Madrid. That'll be sick. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting report. Uh, Romelu Lukaku is training alone at Cobham. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino doesn't want his negative energy around the team. Good. Yeah, that's so, hilarious. Even um, I, I think I may have sent this to you on Instagram. You know, even Juventus Ultras have yeah. contacted Lukaku telling him that we do not want you to play for us. Was that also because the Italians are notably... Very racist. You know what? It could have a lot to do with race, but I, I thought Inter Milan loved him at one point. True. Now, now they don't like him. It yeah. just seems like everywhere he goes, he causes some trouble. Yeah. I think but, you should just go to the MLS. Yeah. That'd be cool. Or Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia seems to be a popular destination. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or the UAE. Go play with Andres Iniesta. Um, it looks like Barcelona and Bayern are both interested in Marco Verratti. Looks like he's likely to leave before the transfer window closes. Uh, he's also got an offer from Saudi Arabia, just like everybody else. Yep. Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, one of LA Galaxy or Los Angeles FC have positioned themselves to sign Neymar. Whoa. That's interesting. Is Neymar to the MLS actually going to (laughs) happen? I don't know. I I saw him one time on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. He uh, kicked a soccer ball from a roof to another roof in L.A. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Maybe maybe the Galaxy Scouts were there. Maybe. (laughs) That, That would be interesting. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Okay. So it, it actually does look like his two spots he would land is either Saudi Arabia or the MLS. Amar? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is crazy. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. Um, oh. Uh, Logan Paul, KSI, um, Prime, has now officially partnered with Bayern Munich. So they have um, Arsenal, Barcelona, yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich, and then like the Dodgers, the UFC. Pretty cool. Dude, stuff. I was watching KSI when he was still like at his parents' house making videos. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I love him. I so was much. watching him play like FIFA 13. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, let's see. No fucking way. Manchester City made a second bid to sign Lucas Paqueta and it's worth 101 million euros 
West Ham rejected it, and they want 110 million euros. What? Okay, I got to see the exchange rate on pounds to euros real quick because... (laughs) It's ridiculous. Okay. Okay, so initially we heard that they wanted 85 million pounds, which is like 98 million euros. Now they want 110? That's like a wild jump. <laughs> yeah. 10 million? Crazy. Um, Dennis Zakaria? Zakaria? Yep. He's headed to Monaco. Okay. And, yeah, I think I think that's about it. I think we're all caught up. Great. Right. Awesome. Stake our claims. Yeah, it appears to be that time for stake your claim. Uh, Luke, why don't you go ahead and get it started? Mine is very short, super so easy. Mine. Bills will not win the AFC East. I like it. I think it'll be Jets or Dolphins. All right. Um, mine actually has to do with the AFC East as well. Uh, oh, wow. Though, though the AFC East will be entertaining... There will not be an AFC East team in the AFC Championship. I don't think there will be either. Yeah. Uh, I think that spot for coming years is reserved for the Bengals and Chiefs. (laughs) Yep. Unfortunately. It is. It is. Because I'd love to see Rodgers win a Super Bowl. Uh, I'd love to see Josh Allen even get to one. Uh, But... I just I don't think it's that likely, especially not this year. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl that wasn't against my team. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you though. I think it's kind of reserved for the Chiefs and unfortunately the Bengals. But it it makes me kind of think though, what do the Bills not have that the Bengals have? I I would consider them to be like the two baby brothers in the AFC, and obviously the Chiefs are the daddy. I don't I don't I don't understand where the Bills keep losing out. Um, I'm surprised that it hasn't been the Bills time yet. Play calling. Yeah, <laughs> consistency. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems to be like one of the hardest, you know, things to figure out. I, I feel yeah. like consistency kills a lot of people. I don't know. I think there's plenty of factors that we could really look into, but off the top yeah, consistency. Um, I think the play calling is a big part. I, I think the play calling for the Bills last year was sad. Yeah. It, it was yeah. really bad. Um, but nonetheless, that brings us to the end. The end of a fantastic episode. Kind of the the beginning to the excitement of of everybody's type of football starting up. Us, other countries. Everybody's football is getting started, and um, I couldn't be happier. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for following. And if if you haven't followed, you don't get to get that. You don't get to receive that appreciation until you do it. So go ahead and follow everywhere: Apple Apple Podcast, Spotify, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, join the subreddit. Um, give us five star reviews on Apple and Spotify. 
Uh, oh, YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, whatever you want to do on YouTube, do it. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us, Luke. All right. Do you have a fun time today, Luke? Yeah. Um, got to you know, go go visit my dad at work. Got lunch with him. Nice. Um, it was nice. Had some Mexican food. That's fantastic. What, what have you done today, Grayson? I woke up, did notes. Uh, have not eaten anything, so I'm gonna go eat something. <laughs> there you go. What a and what I'm, a perfect outro. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also gonna see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.